Welcome back to My Seminary Life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight. And for all of you dropping in for the very first time, welcome to the show. We have started a new series here called Lead Them to Worship. This is our first series of 2024, uh, a series all about worship. Uh, understanding a proper theology of worship, and also thinking critically about how worship ministry should function in a church setting. Um, Now, occasionally here on the show, we have a little blip segment called Culturally Relevant, where I talk real quick about something big that's going on in the world that may not have anything to do with the show at all. One culturally relevant conversation I had one time was talking about the Barbie movie, and it had nothing to do with anything that was going on on the rest of that episode. Today's episode is really an entire culturally relevant segment, I think, because we're going to be talking about AI. We're all about AI right now. We're very excited. We all have Terminators that we can hang out with now. We're all very (laughs) excited for the Terminators. Um, But there's been some interesting things already that people in ministry are using AI for, including worship ministry. And I think we need to sit and talk about this a little bit. And I've invited here a friend of mine, friend of the show, a guy who we had this conversation once off air, and this happens too often, where Joe and I have a conversation off air, and we're like, dang it, we probably should have had a mic. Joe Day, Joe Day, welcome back to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me back. Of course, of course. Um, So yeah, AI. We're here to talk about all Terminator jokes aside. Although one time I almost killed Joe. He was listening to the show while working out. Who listens to podcasts while working out? I don't know. And uh, (laughs) I did the Terminator pastor joke and almost dropped his bench press or something on top of himself. Yep. Almost, almost dropped the bench press right on me. It started busting up laughing, but like all, all jokes aside, James Cameron warned us about this in the eighties. James Cameron warned us about this. I'm just saying right, now, now jocularity aside. Now jocularity aside. So here's the thing. Whenever there's a new piece of technology that comes out, Christians very quickly divide up. You have the one yep. group that says, it's evil, don't do it. And you have the other group that says, you may have heard this line before, it's just a tool that we can use to share the gospel and spread the kingdom. And in my opinion, that second argument, the it's just a tool, has become more and more the normal response as we continue to get a techier and techier world. Mm -hmm. Joe, when it comes to this topic of AI... Well, you know, before we even get to AI, when it comes to this argument of it's just a tool that we can use to share the gospel, what do you think of that argument? Is that a a solid argument for us to use when it comes to advances in technology? Um, I'm going to say to an extent. Okay. Uh, I think the the motive and posture behind both sides. Mm-hmm. matters um if it's just a tool and you're trying to meet culture where it's at in an effort to speak a language or use an avenue and you really do mean to use that avenue to the glory of god then okay i do think 
that there's room in that conversation. And just being honest, I think I see more and more allowance for this to happen that it's, it's just a tool is a catch all phrase that is used to excuse an over-reliance on trying to chase the thing that makes us culturally relevant. Okay. More so than focusing on Jesus or, or focusing on God or those kinds of things. Okay. I, I find both answers to be a little simplistic because on the don't do it, it's evil side. Okay. Yes. Change is difficult. And I think there is a posture of maybe not as much as it should be, but there is a posture of, well, wait a minute. Let's not just jump in head first here. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's learn how to swim first before we go into the deep end. Whereas the other side takes this posture of it's neutral. It's a neutral tool that we can use to share the gospel. But as you said, is it, is it to share the gospel? Is that what we are really hoping to do here? Or are we just trying to, everyone's using TikTok, so we're all going to use TikTok. Is everybody, everyone's live streaming, so we're just going to do the live stream thing. You know, it's one of those like, it's one of those chicken or the egg kind of situations of, do we really need these things? Mm-hmm. Or are we being told we need these things because everyone else is already using it? And why is everyone else already using it? I do find both answers to just be a little simplistic. And we need yeah. to think this out. We're both content creators, so we both know, and all the other content creators listening know this, that when it comes to technology, you have to know you have to know your audience and the best way to reach them. That is part of the conversation. You're not just mm-hmm. gonna make a TikTok and hope you catch an audience if that's not where your audience is, you know. Right. There's a there's a, a set I I'll call it standard of practice. Okay. That is that should be present regardless of what the medium is that you're using. So let's 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 work this out for a second. Sure. Where we're at currently is speaking into a microphone and distributing it out to the masses on independent uh, broadcasting sources, hosting sources. Like, yes, we both have established our own networks and banded together with other content creators, other shows that have a similar mission and vision, but we aren't owned by our shows. Our IPs aren't owned by major corporations. Thus we are independent. And indie is cooler. Continue. And indie is cooler. (laughs) Um, So, so what, what came first or what came before us? What came before us is people sitting in front of a microphone and it being broadcast broadcast on terrestrial signals, AM FM radio Hmm. and people speaking into a microphone being broadcasted on television. And so, so these, these things, what we do, this medium that we use social new media, as it's been deemed, um, it's not anything new. 
And in a lot of ways, every generation that's been pushing a different paradigm of this, this different version of mass exposure to a message has been looked at with some version of that's not how it's done. Sure. Generally, because the groups that say that's not how this is done view it as some other means is the right way to do it. Mm -hmm. So we, we end up with a, a new version of an old issue. But again, along the way, to your point, we've seen different um, examples of people in these mediums either uh, doing it for the wrong reasons, crashing and burning, spreading the wrong, spreading the uh, a false message, just doing it to be popularized, all of those kinds of things. Um, so, so there's nothing new under the sun. So that would speak to if it can happen in these different mediums and using these different quote unquote tools, then there speaks to a larger concept that has to be at play that's coupled with whatever the tool is. You can use a hammer to build a house or to take a life. Mm -hmm. It depends on how you use the hammer. Yes. And I would say going back to how you set this up with, uh, you know, we're sending this out across the air, you know, these RSS feeds are on Spotify, Apple podcasts, and they're playing on some random person's device as we speak right now. Um, and just also this, uh, you also brought up the whole in it for the wrong reasons to me is just this idea of like, it's going out around the world. People that I have never met is listening to this show right now. Like to me, that puts an added weight of responsibility on my end. Uh, for me, like I feel this weight of responsibility of like, what am I putting out there? What am I saying? And I think for a lot of people, we'll just be very general here. Those thoughts are not present when you first get into content creating. I know for myself, it, uh, those thoughts were not present. It's this is exciting. This is fun. Let's go out here and right. do this. Like everyone's doing it. I set up my show in 2021, which was like during the tail end of the boom of podcasts um, from 2020. So, but these thoughts aren't present in our mind, even though this should be the thing that I think is forward of not just how can I use this for the kingdom of God, but also like, what am I putting out there? This is, yeah. I'm making an impact on people around the world apparently shout out to all you worldwide listeners um and i think that needs to be something that's also on our mind when we get into these conversations of is it a neutral tool is it evil well what are we what are we doing here what are we putting out that we carry a weight and we need to be more aware of that weight to your to your point um if you would have told me 5 years ago when I started Buddy Walk with Jesus with my former co-host co um, that five years later, 
it would be a full-blown ministry where I pastor folks from all over the world, which I'm I'm going to leave that there. I understand that that in and of itself, depending on what your sensibilities are, what your proclivities are, what your background is, um, could be a very spicy comment to make. <laughs> um, you can direct all con, uh, discourse to that, to uh, my seminary life. At, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but if you would have told me that everything that has spun out of two guys just wanting to have raw conversation mm-hmm. about matters of faith would happen. I'd call you nuts. Like it has been such a wild road. And I started prior to, it's kind of funny. I was uh, a part of um, one of the groups that were, that we were both in um, and, and kind of watched as a lot of the Christian podcasts um, figured out that, oh, I think I want to start one of these podcasting things. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I had already kind of been a part of the game before everything really exploded because everybody was consuming every form of content that they possibly could. Right. Um, so, so I kind of watched that explosion take place. And before all of that happened, um, by and large, anybody who wasn't a church that had a podcast like this uh, wasn't necessarily looked at in the best light. Now everybody mm-hmm. and their mother has a Christian podcast. Right. Now that now it's not that big of a deal. But bef- prior to that, it was it was kind of frowned upon to have to have that kind of to have this kind of show unless you were like a big name or a church or something sure. along those lines. Yeah, I think part of that also is and trying to bring this back now to AI a little bit is that yeah. whenever there's a new piece of technology, there is a there's a curve, you know, either because mm-hmm. we're all trying to learn it or because it's stupid expensive. Now, when podcasting first started, like in whatever that was, 2015, 2012, when it first, like Apple Podcasts first got going or whatever it used to be called, um, Pocket Casts or whatever, um, it was, you know, the equipment was expensive. The housing was difficult. Now, people like my friends at church, I was just talking to somebody last night about this. This isn't hard. Like, it, it takes a lot of work to get a show going. But mm-hmm. also, it's not that difficult, nor is it that nope. expensive anymore. This mic nope. was technically a gift, but it's like a $40 mic, and it's a it's a good quality microphone I'm using. My headphones are just like the cheap Target brand, and it's fine. Everyone's cool yeah. with it. That's I think that also contributed, you're right, in 2020, we were all consuming as much content as physically possible, so that way we didn't, we weren't able to feel anything. Um but I think also by that point, the bal- the balloon popped. It became very yeah. easy. With AI, though, bringing this into the AI side of the things, I feel like it just showed up. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I think you have your pulse a little bit more on tech stuff. So correct me if I am wrong. But I feel like it was like, okay, here you go, chat GPT, have fun. Right. Whereas everything else, like it takes time. 
TikTok didn't become a thing overnight. It actually used to be a completely different app. Facebook had a completely different news prior to when we all signed up for it. Right. Somehow Snapchat is still alive. I really don't know what I really don't know how that one is still alive. But I mean, even Twitter just went through this whole rebranding. We'll call it that. Like everything kind of has like a life cycle and Mm -hmm. takes time to become available to everybody. I feel like AI just like popped up. What are your what are your thoughts on that? So in the popular zeitgeist, you are not wrong. So somebody who doesn't have their finger on the pulse of this um, would not have necessarily seen um, AI integration come as hard and heavy and fast as it came. Okay. Now, that being said, um, there's a couple of things just to to catch the listeners up and learn a little bit more about me. Um, I am exactly the right person to have no, to have known about this for a couple of reasons. One, um, my nine to five, like, yes, I've made allusions to it. Yes, I am a pastor. I'm a bivocational pastor. My nine to five work is uh, marketing. I own a marketing company with my wife. And... Um, so, so in marketing circles, AI integration has been a thing for quite a while. Uh, it's it has not. I, I will say that the um, the open chat guys uh, really did a lot for pushing the envelope for it. But gotcha. there have been versions of content creating programs like this that have that have dated back to the early knots. Um, very rudimentary in, 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 in blocky in their, in their, um, their use, but definitely there. Um, so that on top of, um, before becoming a Christian, I was, uh, what you, what would be referred to as a transhumanist. A transhumanist essentially believes that the evolution of man, will come with transcending the physical form in some way, shape, or form. More commonly than not, and my, and I, I put myself into this camp, um, you are going to find somebody, if it's in America, that that catalyst point of what that, transcend, uh, that transcending factor will be is tech. Um, okay. gener- generally, the integration of uh, computer hardware to advance the carbon-based life form past having an expiration date. Um, So, and I, I say that to say like, I, I, like there was like a hard cutoff between um, the, the expose my exposure to Jesus and my lack of belief in transhumanism. I wouldn't Hmm. identify myself anymore as a transhumanist, I I am far from seeing it as a black and white matter. I know some of my contemporaries mm. believe that any kind of reliance on hardware, I'll call it, that integrates um, the 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 carbon based life form with with anything external is wrong. I'm far from that position. Um, because some folks even take that to mean prosthetics or anything else like that. Um, Um, okay. Yeah. Um, 
So, I, but but I will say I'm not as focused as as I gotcha. used to be on on that that aspect of of life and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so so for me, this idea of um, artificial intelligence, um, building out computer learning systems, all of that kind of stuff. I have been very, very well aware of for decades at this point, because once we get into computer, computer learning systems, mm -hmm. these have been around for a very long time, pretty much, pretty much going hand in hand with, um, work in robotics to give you an idea okay. there was a reason why james cameron made that like we make those jokes about terminator and stuff yeah, yeah but there's a reason why james cameron created those gotcha okay so if i'm understanding correctly kind of this brief summary of the history it's been there for a long time decades even but it's introduction into society pop culture pop culture society was more of a snap of the fingers okay here it is if i'm understanding correctly yeah okay. especially because we are at the moment in history where we where we are where um something can go viral and suddenly gotcha. bam it's in the it's in the popular uh the the popular scene um especially when you have major corporations that are talking about it and mm -hmm. and things like that um that really served to push the the idea out right out for everybody gotcha okay big business it's all big business's fault okay i just like exactly. saying big <laughs> um okay so i wanted to circle back a little bit i was uh, i was going to ask you about your transhumanist um part of your life so mm -hmm. when it comes to this well first off i understand the uh, this idea of like okay we can't go as far as saying prosthetics are like evil or something like i can see this from the standpoint of um medical advances this is the weird thing for me with technology when it comes to medical advances I'm basically mm -hmm. for whatever it is, but I do understand mm -hmm. the hesitancy of, for lack of a better term, forgive me, I'm not trying to belittle all this. I understand the fear of getting to the point where we're all cyborg from DC Comics of, yep. you know, um, and I understand that, like, maybe that's not necessarily where you all or where you were headed in your philosophical viewpoint. But as a Christian now, you talked about it a little bit. As a Christian now, like, how does your faith does your does this still kind of surface for you a little bit, like in your faith journey of like maybe this is where we're headed? Of you know, we're just going to continue to root out the flesh to become more robotic, more hardware. I think was the term you said. Yeah, that was the term that I said. So um, I can understand the. Um, the ship of Theseus argument that is that that is had oh, at, at what okay. point when you take away more and more and more of the original thing, at what point is it the is it no longer the original thing? Gotcha. Yep. Um, my my 
if if I'm forced to have a stance, and this is why I can I can very easily float between the two arguments and play devil's advocate for both quite easily, mm-hmm. um, is that there is an inherent difference between the um, the carbon based life form and the soul and spirit. Okay, and so. I think for for us when we take the when when we decide to medically ad, to to go along with medical advancements mm-hmm. and prolong the amount of time that the carbon based life form can be here it's it that that that's not speaking to the soul posture of it that's different the the heart posture is different for i i i see the argument where um if it it comes down to where where that posture is as to like what you're doing with the extended time and why Mm. you're doing it um Mm. okay i can i can very easily see how people get to you're just not trusting god you're just not you're bucking the natural the, the natural order of things and all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff but if you're if you're advancing the kingdom here on earth and utilizing tech to prolong your life what's what's the harm in that and okay. i understand that for some people it's like ah but i want to go i want to go to heaven and all of those kinds of things but if you think jesus is coming back you know what I mean? Like it's very sure. easy. You go back and forth very, very easily. You and can. so, yeah, there's a there's a very there there is a a phil- philosophical stance that says, um, I am just electing to cheat the reaper. Sure, and that's wrong. Versus taking medical advancements and allowing for for prolonged time that I can serve God and serve others. That is, that is a fair argument. And I will say going back to the ship illustration, which for those of you who are are listening, who are unfamiliar with this, it's a philosophical argument of you have a boat and it gets restored. Well, how often it gets restored board by board by board. Well, when does it stop being the original ship and is now a completely new ship because you've replaced all the boards to counter that argument, a person with a soul spirit or soul and spirit, what depending on your theology, um, once you have soul and spirit, the rules do change a little bit compared to when you're dealing with an inanimate object. Because I think you could make the argument dealing with an inanimate object, you've restored it so much, it's not really its original peace anymore whatever the item may be but when we're dealing with a creature a what was it carbon-based creature is that what you kept saying carbon-based life form carbon-based life form very sci-fi but if that's the correct term i will use it carbon-based life form that has if if humanity is more than just animals and has a soul and spirit and eternal value i would say that the argument doesn't hold as much water when it comes to constantly replacing it with more hardware but right that's not what we're here to talk about but that was a good turn to take (laughs) 
yeah 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 it's it's a fun it's a fun game of philosophy to play if you're willing to play it um i i don't that's why i don't talk about it nearly as much because um oftentimes when that when the topic comes up it doesn't come up with an air of um i could just have have uh, a back and forth sure. about it a little bit of repartee about that uh, about that sort of thing um that's why i'm i'm one of my favorite people to talk about transhumanism with is will because oh, yeah. will is just willing to have that conversation and see every angle of it yeah, yeah. You ever want to sit down and talk to somebody about the relationship between faith and science? You call Will Rose. He's up for it. Yep. So back yep. to AI now. So now we can pull up chat GPT and ask it ridiculous things. People have been using AI to write laws, to write contracts. You can use all these AI art programs which we also don't have time to unpack all of the copyright issues that goes on two comic book nerds wanting to talk about people deserve to be paid for their art but maybe we'll call our friends at systematic ecology for that one Uh, (laughs) ministry ministry and ai yeah you can there's a website where you can go ask ai chatbot the apostle paul questions um, mm-hmm. people have used AI to write entire sermons. People have started using AI to write songs, worship songs. There was even churches in Europe. I think it was France or Germany where AI preached an entire message to the congregation. Yep. So yep. that was, I believe it was Germany. Cause I believe that was the conversation that you took to bring in the, the, the Terminator uh, pastor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yes. Uh, you also, un- as well as, um, in addition to the, the apostle Paul getting, getting a rebirth through technology, uh, we do have in fact, ask Jesus. That oh. is a thing. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, to keep, to keep it to, <laughs> the parameters of of worship sure um it, it's you know i i think i think these kinds of conversations have to be taken with an air of and that's why you know that the first like half hour of this episode y'all that are listening that have been going through like wow okay so they finally got to the ai conversation <laughs> well we needed to set the table of how do you handle the different tools how do you handle the different mediums how do you handle the different aspects of this um and so I think with something like AI, I, I, I have long since said this about the various versions of and various aspects of AI that I've that I've used and, and the ways that I've used it and all of those kinds of things. Um, I, I will 100 percent say time after time after time, I can write my clients better ad copy than ChatGPT can because I know my clients. I know mm-hmm. my clients' voice. I know their idiosyncrasies. I know th- I know what makes them tick. However, I know that uh, an, an algorithm that spits out ideas can maybe sometimes help me jog my mind in a direction that I didn't necessarily think it would go, or that I didn't necessarily think to go rather. Okay. And so 
whenever you're creating content, there's value in stimulating ideas. The, the issue, though, is ministry, pastorship, mm-hmm. Christianity as a whole cannot really be compared to any other group or function or system within the world because it is antithetical to the world. Okay. There are light comparisons that people have made along the way. Um, everything to the military, to sports, to different professions, things like that. And there are some that in very, very hyper-specific instances can be made. I'm looking at you, Paul, making those references to military Mm -hmm. and to sports. The thing is, though, is that that was a very specific example that oftentimes I just had a conversation on the air on Saturday with some of my guys in our network, like, yo, Paul made those analogies in the context that he made them in the very specific way that he made them. And oftentimes when we make those analogies, we just complicate things. Hmm. Okay. So when, when you have something like a tool like this, it has to be brought into the consideration of ministry is so unlike anything else that utilizing something like a chat GPT or an automated software, it may get everything theologically or biblically correct. But the question that you have to ask is what about the intrinsic value of one image bearer leading other image bearers into the act of worship of God? And I don't think I want to say real quick for mm-hmm. those for those that are listening that are on one side of the fence or the other that have stick, uh, stuck their flag in the ground and have made made their stance. I'm I am all for eliciting the conversation. This is not me saying chat GPT bad AI bad. It's all bad. That's not that's not what I'm saying. But we have to ask the question of is have have we lost the rabbit on the actual thesis statement of worship leaders leading people into the act of worship? I think, uh, man, okay, lot to unpack there. But you, are, I'll start with this. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I think the uh, my hang up in all of this, though. You know, you had this really good setup there at the beginning uh, talking about like why you would maybe be using this type of stuff. Um, You talked about, you know, your clients, you know, you know better, you know, your clients better than the algorithm bot does. Um, But the algorithm bot may bring up something that you didn't think of. And maybe there's like a little addition you can add into your work from it. My hang up is I don't think anybody's actually doing that. When I hear people talk about using AI for ministry, it's to do the ministry part. You talked about your media, your media work. I'll talk about preaching for a second. Not exactly worship, Mm -hmm. but just to bridge the gap a little bit. Um, 
I homiletics is my thing. I enjoy homiletics and part of preaching is being a student of it. So one day a random Facebook ad, one of the times where it was actually an interesting one, um, was about this guy telling you the secrets to preaching. It's like, okay, bet. Let's hear it. So <laughs> subscribe to his newsletter for, I don't know, three months maybe just to kind of see what this guy is saying and there was an email about using ai to write your sermons not to get ideas for your sermons you're not going to plug in trinity examples and see what ai jesus will tell you for um examples of the trinity but allowing chat gpt or what that's the one i know i don't know what other major household AI bots you can get, but ChatGPT is the one I know. You plug in your passage reference and what you want to talk about and just let it spit out the whole sermon for you. And this was the real kicker for me, Joe, is that in his four-step process for using AI to write your sermons, which essentially was just tell AI to write you a sermon, one of the steps was proofread the sermon because sometimes it's wrong so he gave the exam he gave an example of a sermon he had chat gpt write and it was frequently quoting mark twain as a theologian which mark twain has said nice. some good things we have probably all heard a sermon where some mark twain thing got brought up but it was equating mark twain to someone like john calvin or augustine or martin luther and to me it's like or I could just write it myself, just find one quote I like from Mark Twain, and it's fine. This That is my hang-up with this process, is that it seems that what we are doing is we are using the excuse of, well, we're just so busy nowadays, we'll let ChatGPT write the sermon for us, so that way we can be doing other things in ministry, like maybe hosting a website where you are telling people how to be amazing preachers just let that one sit there for a second um we're using this tool as an excuse to do more ministry but are we really what are we then using that time for is also my would be my follow-up question how are you investing in ministry joe and i just before we got on the air was talking about like how in church ministry, you have to prioritize things. Sometimes you have to make mm-hmm. an allowance for certain things to happen. You have to, you know, be outward facing and inward facing. Are you really using that time that you, you know, most people, when they think of what a pastor does for a living, they think guy sitting behind the desk studying the Bible for hours on end and writing a sermon, which is not just that, right. folks. It is a lot more than that. If anything, oh. that's the thing that has to get cut. And now we're encouraging people to cut it. Yeah, the the for anybody who doesn't know this or needs to hear this, um, I, I will... I will be generous and say that the that the Sunday morning sermon is about three percent of the gig. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it, and and I think that's how it should be because ministry involves people's lives, and that's that's where 
I think we lose the rabbit and that's kind of what I was getting at when mm-hmm. I said, do we, have we lost sight of the, the image bearer leading the image bearers in an act of worship? Um, I personally would call um, sermonizing an act of worship mm-hmm. personally. Um, but I'm, I'm semantics, wordplay, whatever. I, I don't necessarily think that that's a, that that's a, a hill worth dying on. Cause I know that some people would disagree with me. Um, so I think, so so to, to take a page out of your book, I'll start with, I agree. (laughs) Um, I, I think that there's, you've raised, um, two very important, uh, questions to when, when contemplating all of this, are you actually just using it as reference or as, um, idea generators or something along those lines. And if you really are going with, this is taking this off of my plate. So that way I can turn around and, um, focus elsewhere. Are you, how are you actually doing that? What does that actually look like? Are those hours actually going into your church, your community, so on and so forth. Um, uh, so, th- so this is where I get into op- opinions. Mm. I think it's risky business to even eliminate that from a pastor's um, plate. The whole idea of studying, developing a sermon, all of that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. because I think humans are given to overusing tools and having them become crutches. Mm -hmm. So if, if somebody comes along and says, I will do this aspect of this job for you, then your Mm -hmm. skills at doing that aspect of the job are diminished Mm -hmm. because somebody else is doing it. Now we shouldn't overemphasize the Sunday morning dynamic because that go, and that goes into a whole big long conversation about what is church, what is community, sure. what all, all of those kinds of things. But when when you have something like this, I think if we're able to wrap our mind around what it can help with and what it can do to benefit things, then it does it can just become just another tool that you can use to be able to effectively perform the calling of the pastorship mm-hmm. um or or of of worship or of whatever like it's not so i keep going back to that because that's where i'm at right now in my life but but even as a worship leader or as uh, a kids ministry professional or as whatever, like there's, there's a lot of versions of this where this could be very, very helpful, Mm -hmm. but I would agree with you that generally the most amount of work that we put into it as um, with with AI is the learning portion of it, where you ask a series of prompting questions to set the parameters that the AI system is going to work within to generate the best possible outcome for what it is that you're looking for. And so while we lose something by saying all of that from A to Z is wrong, we also 
should not just be saying, okay, I'm going to work with this to be able to put together something and then turn around and just use the thing Mm -hmm. because you don't, and and I know I'm preaching to the choir. This is one of those. So I got to put, I got to put over for, so MSL audience, I got to put, put your host over here for a second. Um, Brandon's one of those guys that if I have a question about preaching, Brandon's one of those guys I'm going to go to. If I, if I hear a compliment or a criticism or a critique or whatever from Brandon on my preaching, Brandon's skills, his um, experience, his foundation in being biblically sound in his teaching, all of those things have earned him a spot for me to take him seriously in, in, in all of those things. Um, so I know that when I, when I say this to you, I am, I am preaching to the choir here. Mm-hmm. Um, there is something to addressing the audience that is in front of you, addressing your congregation that's in front of you. Is that always possible? No. You know that from pulpit fulfillment. Yep. But if we're talking about a set pastor at a set congregation at a set church from a set pulpit that you have, you are that shepherd of that flock. Well, not every single sermon is going to address every single thing because that specific sermon needs to be something that is for that flock. Still founded in truth, mm-hmm. still all of those things, but for that audience. Mm-hmm. When we go with something that's purely written from an AI perspective to go back to the example that I raised about my clients, mm-hmm. we can't really achieve that. So examples of how... um you know, the Bible uses this particular concept or uh, real world applications of this particular concept, thought provoking questions centered around this topic, any one of those sorts of things that if you want to add some seasoning to your to your your sermon and this will help you become a better speaker. And find a better uh, and use it to to cultivate a better skill set for addressing your flock of doing what you need to do. Okay, do it. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't I don't have a problem in the world with utilizing that. But again, if you are looking at this from the sermonizing perspective, just like if you were to use one of the predictive algorithms to write a, a worship song. Mm-hmm. And and just you you have it generate the notes you have it generate the lyrics maybe all of the lyrics are biblically sound. Is that is is that really an act of worship? Like is is that really something that you know what I mean? Like we when we divorce ourselves from engaging with God in the act, does that devalue the act? You know, and yeah, I know yeah, that yeah. that's some high philosophy in there, oh, yeah. but you know. Oh yeah, that's all we are. Useless high philosophy. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> thank you for putting me over. I appreciate that. And um, 
going back to sermon sermonizing, as you say, um, folks, do you know why older Christians, even if you don't agree with them, you know why they knew the word of God so well? You know why previous generations were able to just rapid fire a verse off? Because they had to study it. They had to memorize it. Mm-hmm. That even right. the fact that like now forget chat GPT for a second. The fact that, you know, I wrote a lot of my papers in seminary looking for scriptural references by just plugging in verse on into Google, like, you know, part of the sermon process, which Joe is very correct. It is a very small part of the overarching week of a pastor that is study time. That is the studying, the writing, the preaching. That is all worship, or it should be, in my opinion. The whole thing right. should be a devoted act of, I am doing this to glorify God as I am studying, as I am using my mind, as I am using my body and my voice to proclaim a message to this congregation. And also, just for your own personal spiritual development, it is good to sit and to read a bunch of commentaries and to read a bunch of different translations of the Bible. You know, you've, you've, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that we are all about multiple faceted ways to grow in knowing God better, whether it's conversations with other people, listening to good sermons, but also just getting, sitting down and reading a book on whatever that thing may be. And when you're using the AI just to put out a thing, which we'll get to that more in a second, you're losing all of that precious studying time where you are literally renewing your mind or exposing yourself Mm -hmm. to other doctrines that maybe you don't agree with, but I don't know. The world is small. We kind of have to be experts on like all of the doctrines now, apparently, whether they're heresy or not, we have to know all of them now. Um, right. You're losing all of that when you are just using this to spit out a sermon. I agree with Joe. Let's not lose this. I think the, the, the simple takeaway from this episode is if you want to use this truly as a tool, maybe you're struggling to come up with a way to explain a theological term, regeneration that propitiation, Mm -hmm. one of these terms that comes up that we just don't use these words anymore, then that is a good use of this tool. If you're like stuck on something in your sermon writing, there's been books throughout the more recent history of Christianity, just full of quotes and illustrations that pastors constantly recycle. I've got one or two of them on my bookshelf. Like Mm -hmm. now we have Google to find quotes. So Those books are a little bit obsolete, but, you know, pastors in previous generations, they had ways to kind of skirt around corners a little bit if they just needed a piece or two added into a sermon. So don't think that we are the hard no, bad, don't use it. I think it truly can be a tool to help supplement a sermon or with music. I imagine if you're trying to convey... I heard JT English on the podcast Knowing Faith talk about how if preachers were grilled as much as worship song writers are for 
moments where they have maybe a little wonky theology or the illustration doesn't quite work in the song, then there would be no good preachers because we are constantly grilling songs because of like yeah. one little I, line that might be a little off, but we don't treat that with pastors hardly ever. Hardly ever. That's it's so fascinating. So when I, when I first got saved was around the same generation time where um, Reckless Love by Corey Ashbery? Yes. Ashbery? Yes, Ashbery. Uh, came out. Um, it came out. And everybody was up in arms. God is not reckless. What are you talking about? Um, without the so so one of the benefits and this is it it it's funny to me that the house church guy took me a long time to get to get to the point that i'm at now i've matured all of those things i got saved in the nosebleeds of a midwestern megachurch of like their main campus and and so like it was like an it was like an auditorium style okay. setup um one of the things that they did when when they first introduced me to and first introduced the song was um, played a like they addressed the controversy head on like, mm. hey, we know. And they actually utilized their reach to score an interview with him. Oh, OK. And like, hey, can you talk about um what you meant by this, like what can you kind of unpack your thoughts and all of that kind of stuff. And he goes into kind of his theological backing behind this idea of talking about the reckless love of God. Hmm. Okay. And that's, and, and that's how I come to, I, I appreciate the song. I think, mm -hmm. um, no, it's not chapter and verse, whatever, but I don't think everything has to be chapter and verse. Um, when it, when it comes to, um, Worship songs. That being said, I have found uh, a, a deep appreciation at this point in my life for um, psalms to music. Um, oh, I think okay. bands that just take psalms and make them into songs. I think I, I've I have really come to find a very very deep appreciation for that that style because it's literally scripture. Mm -hmm. It's literally the psalms taken to be what they were meant to be. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I just, I appreciate, uh, I call, I call them and I'm working on a series called the blues of the Bible. Okay. I, I really appreciate the Psalms a lot. Um, so, so there, there is that, but I agree that for the ones that aren't just scripture, they are so hyper analyzed mm -hmm. To a degree that I'm like, the guys that are stepping up and being like, here is the word of God. We're not analyzing them to the same degree by any stretch of the imagination, but somebody throwing a little bit of creative spin on a thing and everybody loses their collective minds <laughs> over that. And I'm like, this is why I don't like, so, so MSL crowd that you guys are some of the only ones that I've heard uh, that, that have heard me uh, have heard me say this. I'm actually working on a worship album. I haven't come out and said the, and said this publicly yet. Um, I am a musician. I'm, I'm working on, uh, on a worship album and um, it, it's, it's been, it's been cool 
to get okay. back to Christian music and okay. all of that kind of stuff and, and be developing music and all of that kind of stuff. But there is this, this sense of intimidation. There really is. When you're putting out Christian music, it's like, yo, I'm going to put this out and I know I, it's going to be judged and torn apart in a way that my sermons never have been. I've been doing Pulpit Supply for 10 years. Three times I have been chewed yeah. out after a sermon. After, and that's like preaching once or twice a month. Like you rarely, and you're right, like we hold those, we hold certain songs to like these unrealistic expectations. And there's a there's a place for like, okay, that's not great. But there, you know, right. you brought up, Reckless Love, that's a good example. I was going to also bring up uh, Oh How He Loves, the whole debate between Sloppy Wet Kiss or Unforeseen. Either Uh, way, it's a weird line because we're dealing with music. We're dealing with poetry. The language is different. And sometimes a way to communicate poetically, I mean, we see this in the Psalms, is like, whoa, David just said that, and that's not how we normally talk about God or talk about how we feel about our experience in the world of just like the pure rage and anger that David, you know, I did a series with our small group last year, two years ago, going through the different genres of the Psalms. And I called the imprecatory Psalms David's emo phase because he is not a happy camper in these songs. Like, um, we've coming back to this you know you brought it up i touched on it i think part of the issue with the christian music industry broadly nashville christianity um and the and the um ai kind of a bridge between the two is the this issue of just putting it out we need a song We need a thing, you know. I don't know if you watched the Secrets of Hillsong documentary. Obviously, I did. Um, but part of the conversation in that series was talking about how Hillsong basically runs a sweatshop to develop their songs. As even though a lot of times we like to use the music as the as the excuse of like, well, this is the good part of Hillsong. We don't like the rest of it. We're uncomfortable with the rest of it. But hey, Hillsong music. That's good. They're basically running a sweatshop in order to, to get these songs out. And also, yep. not shocking, not paying everybody well. Um, yeah. And I think this is, you know, going back to using chat GPT with your clients, using it to write a sermon. Like, we're really losing something hands-on in the worship process when yep. we're just, when our concern is we have to get something out. We just have to put some content out there. You know, that's consumeristic content creator mentality of we just got to put stuff out there and it will stick because we have a huge platform. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. If you're just doing it to fill to to fill space, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And the thing about this, this, the, the well, I should say, the thing that I hope comes out of this conversation is the fact that there has literally been a formula for popular music for a very, very long time. 
long before any of these computer learning systems mm -hmm. were in place. So with the advent of these systems and the widespread exposure to the existence of these systems, I hope now the conversation turns to should we be using a, a, a system that just takes what will be popular and creates Christian content around that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. And my hope is that that will wake people up to this idea of their heart, the heart of the matter mm -hmm. and, and being more invested in what it is that you are, that you are creating and really allowing for that to be the driving factor in all of this, rather than just creating something that is more likely to, um, to, to sell well or mm. to play well or something Trend. along those lines in trend. Yeah. Because the question that you have to ask yourself and you can say in front of a microphone, you could say in front of a camera, you can say until you're blue in the face. Oh, I'm only doing that. So that way it maximizes the exposure of the music and the message of the kingdom of God. Okay. Okay. It's not my job to judge your heart. That's above sure. my pay grade. But the question that you have to ask yourself if you are saying something like that, just like the question that you have to ask yourself, if you are utilizing a sermon writing software to be able to produce something that you're going to go off and preach, why are you doing it? What is it for? And who are you doing it for? And I think if you're able to ask those questions in an authentic way that will expose and I don't mean expose inherently negatively mm -hmm. it, but, but it will show your, the directionality of why you're doing it. Because if you are just doing it for yourself and it's God flavored, that that's between you and God. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a, that's a major thing. And I, I don't know, like you, that's, that's something that it's definitely not a new concept, but it's just another tool to go back to that part of the conversation. It is another tool for folks that are interested in doing it that way for them to use just the same as the honest preacher or the honest worship uh, singer or something along those lines, who's looking for something to help them to be able to get a new idea or um, develop a new concept or something along those lines. And when it comes to a matter of, Oh, I just need to, you know, find time in my schedule. This is a lot of, you know, a lot of work or whatever it is. Cause like I write sermons, very time consuming. I've never written a song, Joe, you're working on an album. I'm assuming that's a very time consuming process. Yeah, yeah, it is very time-consuming process. I would, I would encourage people when you have the opportunity, work with people. You know, like yeah, there, there's a difference between f putting in the prompts and having it spit out with something versus right. sitting down in community, working together, 
as the body of Christ to write a sermon. I've sat in on think tanks, if you want to use that kind of verbiage. I've sat in on think tanks before to write out curriculum, write out sermons. People work together to write music. This can be, I'm sure, this opens a can of worms for creative differences and art issues. But this done well, this is another avenue someone can take for there to be worship in the work process to develop a sermon, a song, whatever. Yep. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, don't don't close yourself off to new to new tools, to new things and all of that and say that it has to be this way and all of that kind of stuff. But when you are engaging with a tool, don't go so far as to say, I have to use this because it's the new thing. Take the time to learn about the tool, to learn what the tool is, what it's actually doing, because we really touch on the fact that like artists, music, visual whatever Mm -hmm. don't like these things because it destroys copyright all in the name of learning Mm -hmm. and freely takes from other artists and Mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff. So, so learn these things, but also take, take a biblical foundation, a Christocentric foundation with you to whatever this tool is and, and go from that, from that place, whenever you are going to use it. If there was ever a group of people who needed to understand the difference between fair use and copyright laws, it's Christians. Christians blur that line and break that so much. It's embarrassing. He was looking at you, Chris Tomlin. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, thank you, Joe, for being here for this episode. And for all of you who have been hanging out, I mean, this has been a long one, man. Thank you for hanging in there with us. Uh, As always, you can go into the description of this episode to find links to all the important things. We'll include links for Buddy Walk with Jesus, Kingdom on the Road, and all 15 of Joe's other projects going on right now. Um, You can always uh, hit up the show on Facebook, Instagram, email seminarylife at gmail.com. Support the show on Buy Me a Coffee dot com slash msl pod you can make a one-time donation we have commissions now open if you want a real human being to do some research for you commissions are now open to get study guides from me if you want a real human being to help you study a passage of scripture i am here for that um we have a wish list going on right now i need a new laptop soon (laughs) (laughs) And as always, you can support the show monthly. Everyone who supports the show at the $9 a month level gets a shout out. So thank you, Lori, for supporting the show. We will see you next time, everybody. But until then, this is Brandon. Brandon, can't even say my own name right. Signing off, reminding you as always that theology is for everyone. So keep on studying.